And now a message from our sponsor. Hey everybody, it's Bootleg Captain, Captain Bootlegs here. Yeah. If you're like me, I bet you're enjoying this Toys, Toys on, on Tap, Tap podcast. Yeah, I am enjoying it, it's very nice. But did you know you can enjoy it more just by joining that Patreon? Oh, I did not know that. There are so many cool perks available on the Patreon for you. There's and also and Wow, that's really a lot of stuff if you ask Bootleg Captain. Captain I don't bootleg. understand. There were noises I couldn't hear with the person. So join today to support Toys on Tap podcast and Bootleg Art Toys. But if you're not in a position to join the Patreon, head on over to Apple iTunes and review and subscribe. That helps out the channel as well. Okay, I'll go rate it, I guess. And remember, listen to Toys, Toys on, on Tap. Captain Bootleg, the bootleg captain sent you. Why does he keep referring to himself in the third Can person? I stop with the stupid voice now? I'm not sure why you made me want to sound like a pirate. Oh, so that was a fake voice. Oh, yucko! I didn't realize it was just pretend voice. Oh, okay. I've seen your logo on so many toys. And it's, it was, I couldn't figure out exactly who you were. And then I've been tagged in some of your posts, uh, like, oh, you need to get him on the podcast. And due to like scheduling, finally I was able to reach out and get you on here. Yes. So I'm, I'm stoked about that. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I just, um, how, I guess we'll start at the beginning. We'll start at the beginning. Since this is a toy podcast, tell us a little bit about early life and your relationship to toys, if you had one. Mm-hmm. So I was an 80s kid, a uh, spoiled 80s kid. So, of course, I had all the toys. Yeah. Um, I had a, a ton of He-Man, uh, Transformers even. I was so spoiled I had Transformers. I know a lot of kids were not as spoiled and they had the knockoffs or the GoBots. I had GoBots too, but I had a few Transformers, not Gen 1. I had a few Gen 1s, but, you know, when once they got a little bit cheaper, we had a whole bunch of them. I still have a box full of them someplace. Oh, my gosh. Uh, G.I. Joe's, uh, Ninja Turtles, once they came out. It was interesting because we would have a yard sale every few years. And so, like, the first yard sale we had, we sold off all my He-Man toys, which, oh. you know, I, w- I really wish I hadn't done that. But I was like, I'm over He-Man. I yeah. need to make room for my Ninja Turtles. And then the next yard sale, a few years later, we sold off all the Ninja Turtles. So they're all gone. I mean, I've got, like, a few here and there, and I've rebuilt a few uh, a little pieces of my collection. Like, I've got a Castle Grayskull that I found at a, at a garage sale, and uh, I'm trying to rebuild my Stinkor collection um because well i can tell you why right now if you want to know yeah absolutely i'm sure you want to know i'm uh all right i hope you can edit out that yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah i can okay so when i was about probably five six seven i don't remember um i had a uh masters of the universe themed birthday party right he-man party course i mean every boy that age has one so i had like a he-man cake and uh he-man party favor probably i don't remember we didn't really do all the party favors that kids do now Mm -hmm. um but i remember that it was he-man themed and all the kids brought me a stinkor figure like for whatever reason they all went to this we had like one store in town that sold he-man toys they all went to the same store they all bought the stinkor figure and so i had like you know a big pile of stinkor figures and i was really really bummed out because stinkor is a very lame character yeah 
Um, and so, uh, and I took it personally as though like, what do they think that I stink? What's, you know, so uh, what ended up happening was since they all came from the same store, we were able to take the whole pile of them. I kept one, of course, I'd take the whole pile of them, all the rest of them back to the store in exchange for store credit. And I ended up getting a Modulock, which was okay. awesome, of course. I don't know if you, are you familiar with Modulock? I am not. Would you uh, describe that tour for me? He is two-headed. He's, he's got all these different pieces that you can combine together. And he came in a giant, like not a giant box, but a much larger box than the mm. regular one. He was more expensive. Um, he had, uh, he was two bodies, um, like six legs, extra arms, two heads, and you could put them together uh, however you liked. And he was very cool. He was a part of the horde, I think. Um, Although I don't think he was on the TV show. But uh, so that was my relationship with Stinkor. But I've kind of made my um, my peace with Stinkor as a figure and uh, decided to start collecting Stinkor figures because there are so many different ones now. Now you've got the generation, you know, whatever, this Stinkor figure. For some reason, even though he was a lame character that didn't sell for shit. Wait, can I say that on here? Absolutely. You can say fuck shit, all the things you want. Okay. Um, even though he was a super lame character that didn't sell for shit and he was probably on sale and that's probably why I got so many of him. Um, he, they keep making Stinkor figures. So yeah. I collect every single one of them that they get and they're probably just making them for me at this point. <laughs> so this, that like birthed your collection of them just birthed out of like a childhood trauma. Yes. Well, it's, see, it's funny because it's like, like 80s spoiled kid trauma, you yeah. know, where you're yeah. like, hey, I got too many of the figure that I wanted. <laughs> Shut yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. These I, days uh, don't even have toys. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, funny that I, I love that. I love that. Uh, real quick. I got too excited to talk to you and forgot to have you introduce yourself and all the things that you do. Can you do that for me? Oh, um. My name is Neil, a.k.a. Last Boss Comics. Um, on Instagram, Last Boss Comics, no spaces or anything. Uh, website, lastbosscomics.com. No www, because that's old school, man. Um, I do freelance illustration work. So I do um, a lot of art for bootleg toys, uh, the bootleg toy scene. Um, I've been working in the bootleg toy division, I don't know, <laughs> since uh, about 2015. Um, and I also make comics when I have free time, which I don't. Um, I make comics. I do illustration for other things like poster design and uh, uh, blah, 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 blah. All sorts of stuff. I did a podcast illustration recently. I'm working on a doing a festivals flyer. Um, we'll see how that works works out. So, I think you are my first like illustrator that I've had on the podcast. But I've seen you so much that it just made sense that this happened. Well, don't worry. I've also made some toys. Oh, so, good. Oh, good. Um, I've made a couple of them. Uh, I haven't made anything really. Uh, super impressive yet because 
Um, I'm of the opinion that you have to get all of your ideas out in order, which means you have to get your bad ideas up first. Oh, um, okay. So I did uh, a toy that I sold all of them. They were called Oops All Groins. <laughs> and it was a He-Man, or not He-Man, it was a G.I. Joe figure because it was the little groins that you get in the G.I. Joe figures. And they were all just stacked up on each other because I was making kit bashes and I was like, I have all these extra groins left, left over. What am I going to do with them? There you go. I have seen, I'm glad that I now know you because I've seen <laughs> that piece and I couldn't figure out who did it. That was and <laughs> well, there we go. Holy moly. That was such a funny piece. I, I remember looking at that and then my wife looked over my shoulder and she was like, what's the, what is that toy? And I was like, it's all the groins. And like it was a disconnect between her because she couldn't, she didn't understand the what it was. You really have to take a part heap of the the GI Joe toys to like really get a feel for the fact that there's just the groins. There's yeah. always the groins. And if you're one of those kids like me who, when I was little, I would take apart GI Joes with a screwdriver because they had a screw in them. So I mean, I had a little screwdriver. I would take pull them apart and. Uh, it was always the groins. You know what are you gonna do? Yeah, I. Uh, uh, what's funny is you you brought up the like that child that birthday. I had one of those like traumatic birthday things that sent me on a spiral and like buying toys. Like no one, it, I because my birthday falls so close to Christmas. So when I was five, like I no one could go, but <laughs> my family showed up and bought me all these like Mighty Max things because I grew up in the nineties. And okay. so like I had every Mighty Max thing I could ever dream of. And again, it's like one of those boo-hoo stories. I got a lot of toys, but so weird. Yep. <laughs> um, so you, as you started, you're the first person as well that I know of that the that I've talked to when we talk about toys that you decided to like, it was like you were cycling through your toys. You would sell off one whole set to get a new one and make room for the next one. You can't see, but I'm nodding my head right now. <laughs> uh, at what point did that, um, did the cycling stop? Did you finally just say, oh, I'm done with toys? Um, luckily, my parents let me stash a lot of stuff at their house. Now they're getting rid of all of that. I mean, they're not getting rid of all that stuff, but they're like, come and take your shit. Yeah. And so, <laughs> and so now I've got a, and luckily I'm in a house now. So, um, whereas before I was in a series of crappy apartments or condos or whatever, now we're in a house. And so I've got a garage full of, um, you know, GI Joe vehicles and transformers and shit like that. Yeah. Um, but eventually it got to the point where it was like, well, I'm going to keep the transformers because they were such a huge part of my childhood. And then I think my brother really wanted to keep the GI Joes. And so we ended up keeping those and then we never really, I mean, I've, I've used them now. I use them for kit bashing and stuff like that. Um, I try not to destroy the really precious ones. Like I have yeah. a star star scream G one that I really, that means a lot to me because he was my favorite character when I was a kid. I don't know why, but he <laughs> was. And uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought. What were we talking about? <laughs> You're good. You have all those. You kept them, um, and you just kept certain toys that you don't uh, you don't kit bash because they mean a lot to you. Yeah, and I, I mean, I've also I picked up a few um, 
along the way that maybe I've gotten rid of in the past. Like I got, I've rebuilt a little bit of the He-Man figure collection and uh, anything else. Like if I'm at a thrift store and I see something that's really old, I'll pick it up. And, you know, either I'll, if, if it's something that I don't really want, like a Sectuars or whatever those guys were called, uh, you know, I'll try to sell it off. But if it's something that I'm like, well, you know, I'll just keep this. It's a He-Man toy. I can use the arms and legs or whatever. So do you fit in that? Because it seems like you're buying pieces to either get out or buy pieces to just use uh, like pieces of the toy. Or would you say that you're not a collector then at all? Uh, no, I mean, I have my collections. I collect... I can't collect toys as much as I probably would like to, but I'm, I have so many collections right now. Like I have a huge record collection. Oh, okay. Between my wife and I, we have just like a room that's basically all records. And then um, I've got a comic collection. I've got my toys that I've kept. So I'm like, okay, I can do just stink horror toys i mean i'm not going to try to collect all the original masters of the universe because that would probably drive me insane um but you know i've got my certain things that i fixate on and then i'll collect all of that shit and then all of a sudden then i'll be like okay well i've got this done (laughs) (laughs) like I, i don't collect g1 star wars toys i actually don't collect star wars toys at all i get them for the parts yeah um But I, and like, I've gotten a few randos here and there. Like I've got a, one time I found a Forlom figure uh, buried in the dirt, uh, just randomly. Some kid buried it, you know, whenever the hell that was. And I found, I dug it up and found it. Yeah. And so I was like, well, I'll keep this. It was like under a house that was getting demoed or something. (laughs) Jeez, that poor kid that forgot that. Well, I mean, nobody cares about Forlom, right? (laughs) Um, What is, uh, so as you like exit your toy thing as a kid and do all that, at what point, because you you brought up graphic design and that you do that as a freelance thing, at what point does that kick in in your life? Like at what point do you realize this is the path I'm headed where where I want to design stuff? Um, Well, I always wanted to be an artist, but it never seemed like a job. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, it still doesn't really seem like a job. Um, I do make art for money and it still doesn't seem like a job. Yeah. Uh, but the um, thing about it is, so I was in, I'm from a very small town and I was in high school and in a very small town, um, your options are usually uh, work at one of the established businesses uh, in town or join the military. Um, and I was like, fuck that. I'm yeah. going to go, I'm going to go to art school. I remember the recruiter would call me every day because this is a thing that happens. I, I don't know if this happened to you, but when I was in high school and it was senior year, the recruiter would be calling me like all the time. They're like, oh, this is so, I'm like, great, thanks. I'm really excited to talk to you. Um, yeah. And uh, he'd be like, so have you thought any more about joining up and enlisting and all this stuff? And I was like, no. I think the last time I talked to him, I said, my plan is to go to art school and become an artist. And he was like, oh, I see. Yeah. And then I don't think he ever called me again. But I ended up going to, 
I ended up going to graphic design school because that's what it means to be an artist and work for a living, mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah. Although I wouldn't recommend it to anybody who's planning on pursuing that path. Ooh, let's talk about that. Why won't you recommend that? Um, the first design school I went to was the Art Institute of Seattle. The Art Institute of Seattle was a scam. Oh. Uh, it was basically just a for-profit kind of deal. Uh, I left after a few quarters because I realized that when they were getting, they were like, you have to go to the art supply store, our in-school art supply store and buy these certain pens in order to get the, the, the desired effect. And we were doing a color wheel every single quarter because the teachers don't have a curriculum. They mm -hmm. were just like, here's a type of paint you have to buy from our store. Let's make a color wheel with it. And then the next one would be like, here's a type of marker you have to buy from our store. Let's make a color wheel with it. Boring. And it was just everything over and over again. And it was just like, go to our store, buy our product, and then come to our class and use it for nothing. Um, we had a cart intro to cartooning class, which was really fun because we sat around watching cartoons. We didn't do anything. Mm. I was like, okay, so when are we gonna are we gonna learn some animation techniques? Are we gonna do learn this? And he's like, no, no, we're gonna watch old Superman cartoons. We interrupted this broadcast of Toys on Top to bring you this. Meanwhile, the galaxy of bootleg treasures. Dov two, we have an engine failure. We must crash land on DKE Toy Planet. Oh my, we're doomed. Wait, salvation! Hooray! We'll save the DLV2. Limited edition custom artist made action figures and DKE toys. Check out www.dkatoys.com for a full catalog. Hooray for custom action figures. DKE. They're, okay. And they're, they're great. The yeah. Fleischer, whatever the Max Fleischer Superman cartoons are really good. If you haven't seen them, they're pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. Um but they're also available at like dollar stores. They're not worth a tuition. So I told, I basically left there to go work instead, um, which I don't know if that was the right idea or not, but that was in 2000. So, you know, the economy was about to tank again. Um, luckily, I ended up going to design school again uh, in 2005. And I graduated in 2008, just in time for the economy to take another shit. Yep. Um, so I couldn't get a work, any work out of that. And, but that was a much better um, experience because they taught me how to use Photoshop and computer programs. Whereas before it was like 1999, 2000, and they're like, this is a computer. Yeah, yeah. It is a magical box and you, you know type into it this isn't and you know i set up an email account with a fake name and stuff um but in 2008 i ended up getting a design degree which is worth about as much as toilet paper um the thing about it is if you're gonna be an artist and you want to go to art school go to an actual art school because it's all about the connections you make and not about the degree the degree okay. doesn't mean shit. If you go and you get a master's degree in graphic design, you're still a designer. You're still going to be asked to make the logo bigger. 
You're still going to be asked to do the dumbest shit you can imagine in yeah. the most backwards ass way that you can imagine. You're still going to have to answer to a uh, design director who is just some person who doesn't, who has a business degree and not a design degree. Mm. So they don't know how it actually, how anything actually works, but they know how to get you to make the logo bigger and to shut up and do it on time. So. Yeah, that is, that's what I've designed a couple of backers for people and that, as you're describing that, that seems like everyone's thing. Can you make this bigger? Can you make it smaller? Yeah, I can do that. No big deal. Well, and doing people's logo, and I've worked for a lot of different types of clients. Um, like I've done corporate work, which is like degrading and they don't pay on time. Mm-hmm. But also I've, and I prefer doing like the toy backers. I prefer working with other artists. Like toy artists are not the same as like a graphic designer, obviously, mm-hmm. but they are still a type of artist. So they understand that, you know, you have to, pay a person if you want them to continue working with you you have to um you know give somebody a certain amount of direction but also a certain amount of leeway um you can't just uh demand the most ridiculous shit if you're going to be like okay i need a card that is six by nine so i also want it to fold out into a poster that does this crazy that you know has a pop-up in it you go okay that's cool are you gonna pay to print this because i'm not gonna pay to print this (laughs) you know and if they say yes then it's awesome you get to go ahead and make something that's super cool but you know at the same time most people just want six by nine you know this this you know logo make it look correct and that's i think one of my strengths is that i can make things look correct or at least close enough Mm -hmm. so so i i love that you're describing that as art school like it's like that degree just means nothing because i feel that about my degree I, i don't have an art degree but i feel that about my degree um and so at what point did it transition? Like you didn't have uh, that much work because of 2008 and all the shenanigans that were going on. At what point did it transition where you became like a working artist and started getting gigs? Um, well, I've always done design work. Okay. Like even before I went to school, I was making posters for friends, bands and whatnot. And um, I've been... I have had steady work doing poster design. Well, I did have steady work doing poster design. Now it's kind of like you have to have, you just make things for Instagram basically. And that's it. Mm -hmm. Um, But so we, uh, my wife and I moved to New York in 2010. And before that I was working in a movie theater after college. Um, And then I moved to New York and I got some real design work there, here and there. because uh, I had friends who had uh, who had been doing design work. I don't know. If, now that I think about it, the people who got me the jobs did not have degrees. <laughs> okay. But so I got some design work over there, and I was doing. Uh, I taught myself into the motion graphics, uh, which was not something I was taught in school, uh, like After Effects and special effects and like um, titles and all that stuff. And so I was doing motion graphics for some corporate clients. I was doing some design work for some other corporate clients. And um, then we moved back to Seattle 
in 2013 because we had my daughter um, and I went looking for motion graphics work around town. I couldn't find shit. I couldn't mm -hmm. find anything. And uh, I'm like, I have this skill that's a marketable skill and I could find maybe like one place that might, it was like a temp agency that was like, you could get maybe $10 an hour to do this job. I'm like, that is not a living wage in Seattle. Yeah. Nope. Um, and so uh, I went back to work at the movie theater and then, uh, and started making comics while I was working there because it's, you know, the kind of job where you can just sit around and do whatever the hell you want at. Mm -hmm. um, but then we had uh, my second daughter and we decided to, that my wife who has a business degree should be the breadwinner. And so she went back to work and started making way more money than I was. And I said, well, you know what? I'm just gonna be, just gonna do the art thing then. And uh, so now that I have the free time, I mean, I was doing, or I've been doing posters this whole time, even while I'm working at the movie theater, I've been doing some art things here and there. I used to draw posters. I used to do um, design for um, this game show called Match Game, which was mm -hmm. a local local bar game show. It was like a match game. Uh, are you familiar with Match Game, the old 70s show? Yeah. Okay. Well, it was like that, only it was with local celebrities and drag queens and burlesque performers and stuff. It was very fun. Very fun yeah. show. Um, they eventually stopped doing it after 13 seasons, but I did every single one of the posters. Um, but they... Uh, yeah, so I was doing that and then all this stuff. And I just said, yeah, screw it. I'll just do do the art thing full time. And it's been pretty good. It's not monetarily fulfilling, but um, it is artistically fulfilling. And uh, that's nice. And uh, it's nice to be able to turn people down now. Yep. Whereas before when I was like, God, I need to make this money. And uh now I can be like, you know what? I don't really feel like doing that for you or for this much money. So. Yeah. But I, I mean, what's crazy. How many of these skills you, you said it in passing that you just taught yourself some of these skills, how many of these design skills have you taught yourself versus had to learn from other people? Because that's so impressive. Um. There were, uh, you know, there's some fundamentals of design that you have to learn. Mm -hmm. um, like, like if anybody wants to do it at home, yeah, look up the golden mean or the golden rectangle or whatever the hell it's called. Uh, that'll show you where to put things. Mm -hmm. um, make sure that you, uh, like I learned a few things where it was like, I had to learn all the software. So I had to go to school for that. That was, well, no, I guess I didn't have to go to school for that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I learned most of the software and had to go to school for that. And then uh, the motion graphic stuff, I just did online tutorials, like hours and hours of them. Mm -hmm. um, and that one was, that one was really fun. Um, but as far as design basics, it's like you kind of have to, have an eye for it but it's always a good idea to practice um but i mean i was just 
like I remember Art Chantry came to my class and he's a graphic designer of some renown. Um, and he, we, our assignment was to do like, a, he was like, okay, we're gonna make a poster. Here's what we're gonna do. We're all gonna make posters. Like, oh, yeah, piece of cake. Yeah. I made this poster. It was like a burlesque dancer or something or other. And he was like, this is, this is stupid. It doesn't have anything to do with the bands. It doesn't have anything to do with the show. It's just some, you know, some tits on a poster. And I was like, yeah, and? <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, no, this is dumb. And I go, oh, okay, yeah. It has, to, if you're gonna do something like that, it has to at least have something to do with what you're advertising or selling. You know, you've got to have a thematic, you got it, it taught me about the theme. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to have a theme that carries over that has to do with, and so like everything I've done since then has to, you know, the themes match. There's a theme to all of it. If, even if it seems like it's completely random, usually there's some point to it. And I put a lot of like little things like that in my card backers where it's like just some silly little thing where I'm like, this goes with what I'm trying to say or what this toy is trying to say or what this person's trying to say, if it's trying to say anything at all. Yeah. So how did you, because we ended at like 2013, you start in the toy world at 2015. How did you re-enter the toy world, both making and then I'm assuming just being found by a toy artist to have you design a backer? Um. It's funny because when I was a little kid, we would do kit bashes. Mm -hmm. um, my friend and I would come up with our own characters and do kit bashes. We would get the uh, core toys. I don't know if you know what those are. No, I don't. Which ones are those ones? Uh, C-O-R-P-S. And they are, uh, we used to call them corpses because they were the cheap knockoff G.I. Joes. And they were like $1.25 for like three of them jeez oh, like they came in a pack of like three and you, you could get them for like much cheaper than gi joe's mm -hmm. so what we would do is we'd get them and we would take and they had a little screw in the back you could take them apart you could kit bash them all all to hell and without destroying your own gi joe's and uh also you could dismember them so that's why we called them corpses mm. um but the uh so we used to do that. We used to spray paint and we had the gloss and all that shit. That it's funny that everybody still uses. And, um, and uh, that was when I was a kid. And then I didn't realize that this was like a thing you could do really. Like it just didn't occur to me. When I yeah. moved to New York in 2010, uh, Suck Lord was a big deal. I think that was around the time they did the Village Voice on him. Mm-hmm. And uh, I ended up going to Toy Tokyo and seeing like his stuff. And I was totally confused by it because I didn't understand the world of art toys. And, you know, I was like, oh, why is it so expensive? You know, that kind yeah. of thing. Uh, what the hell are these trading cards? Uh, I don't understand. I didn't buy any Suck Lord stuff, of course, because I was an idiot. Um, but, uh, you know, I saw I knew about the vinyl toys. I knew about some of that stuff. I think Pork Magazine had an article about the king in red leather or whatever his name is is it king in red leather or red king in leather i thought it was red king in leather but you might okay. be right well he wears red leather <laughs> and he's an odd dude 
Yeah. But he seems he did some pretty cool toys. I don't know if he still does. Um, so uh, I learned a little bit more about that world. And I was like, oh, this is interesting stuff. Uh, once Instagram came around, I started following um, following some toy artists because I was looking at their stuff. And I was like, this is cool, but I'll never be able to figure out how to do this stuff. And uh, so I started following, I think it was Man or Monster. Uh, yeah extra truckrestrial how the hell does he say that you're right etc okay and uh some of the other guys that were around about that time um i think i started following dane and uh and buzzard guts and um some other guys that aren't around anymore and then um i was meanwhile i was doing uh artwork for my friend's band nomads mm-hmm. and they i did most of their artwork i was doing artwork for my friend mike who had a clothing label and he was running and he was doing his band nomads which kind of morphed into section hate which is his current band yeah and uh i've done the artwork for them too and i did their album cover and a bunch of other stuff but anyway i was doing this nomads artwork and i did uh this cop getting his throat slit and there's all the blood flying everywhere and uh john was like i love it john from dollar slice bootlegs yeah i was like i love it i want you to do some art for me and i was like oh cool i've heard about this toy stuff so and that's how that came around because i started working with him in 2015 which is right after he started doing this sort of thing and uh we've been working on and off ever since i don't remember how i came into contact with today I was doing, I think I did some art for another guy. And then I ended up going, doing some, a series with Dane about, uh, Dane Buzzard Guts, sorry, Mm -hmm. uh, or the Mark's toys toys on Instagram. Um, But I started working with him on the Riot Scum series. And we ended up doing the Star World toys, which I'm, those are my favorite ones. Mm -hmm. Some of my favorite ones we've worked on um, because I just love the idea of it. And uh, with John, I've done so many, a lot, a lot of toys. Well, and I've done more than I can even remember. Sometimes he was just sending, we were talking about new stuff we're going to work on. And he's like, oh, I didn't need this thing. And I go, I already did that for you. Uh, And he's like, you did what now? I'm like, oh, let me go look at my files here. I did that in 2018 and we never used it for some reason. So that'll be easy. (laughs) Rad. But um, we've got, so I've been working with Dane, John, did a collaboration with Suck Lord uh, in, I don't remember when that was, probably also 2018. Uh, or 2017. Mm. Um, it's a while ago. Um, but we, and then we did, uh, I've worked with a couple other people too. Pikmin's, uh, I did one of his earlier pieces. Um, a couple other people that aren't still doing it. Uh, I've been doing a lot of record covers lately. So, mm. <laughs> What was the, like, 
the transition because you talked about uh, working with artists versus working with corporate and how like working with artists, other artists is better or it feels better. What was that transition like in how you worked with the person? Um, well, it'll make you want to come up with contracts. Okay. That's for sure. Because, uh, I mean, I don't really because, but I have a system where it's like, if you don't want to pay me or deal with me anymore, then you're just not getting what you want out of me. You know, yeah. like I, it's more about like a timing of emails thing. Like I got screwed over by some corporate clients. Let's say uh, yours truly, the clothing brand, don't ever work for them. Okay. Um, we interrupt this broadcast of Toys on Top to bring you this. Earth to Aliens have landed, Earthling. I want lowbrow art and bootleg toys. Toys, 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 toys. When you come to the right place, Earth to Kentucky is a shop for folks who love vintage sci-fi, lowbrow, and art bootleg toys. Toys, toys, toys. They're located over there at 836 Main Street, Covington, Kentucky. Toys, toys, toys. They carry original art, vintage action figures, designer bootleg toys, and toys, 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 toys and t-shirts. Designed exclusively for their store by some of their favorite artists. Thank you, Earthling. I enjoy Earth to Kentucky. I have all my favorite bootleg art toys. toys. Hey, look at that over there. It's a spaceship. Yeah. I need to go now. Someone's filming me in my spaceship. Shop now. www.earthtokentucky.com. That's earth2kentucky.com. Or just land your spaceship when they're open. Fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> we'll put that in the podcast notes. Yeah. Um, I did eventually get paid from the, like, I worked for Estee Lauder and Oscar de la Renta, but it was like, pulling teeth trying to get pulled or trying to get paid by these guys mm -hmm. um but now it's like if i do any freelance stuff i will come up with a i've got a bunch of contracts i've got a bunch of you know and i, I don't do so much of that with with the toy artist people because i know that i mean i'll research them mm -hmm. uh i also give a different i mean i my rates are different depending on you know if it's a toy artist or a indie band or whatever versus like you know vans or whatever mm -hmm. uh, which i haven't worked for vans but i mean i would yeah if you're <laughs> listening vans come on yeah i'll sell out i don't care um <laughs> yeah so i mean it's it's different it depends on uh like with artist types i don't have to come up with as many contracts or um you know different kinds of like ass covering procedures yeah that i do when i'm working with a corporate or a big money client yeah i uh what's i love working with because i have a couple things in the works right now with other artists and and i love the initial questions of like okay what are some deadlines when are these when are when they ask and being able to say like hey the deadline is probably in like four months take your time. I know you're busy. Mine can wait. Yeah. Like those types of things, handing that to an artist, but still paying them as well. Like that's, uh, it just feels so great to be able to do that. That would be nice. Um, I need a little more, uh, I need a little, a little more pressure personally. Uh -huh. I do best when I'm under pressure. So, and I think that John and Dame know that now. Mm -hmm. um, whereas like, if it's a four month out, like window i'm gonna forget about it i've got kids you yeah. know i don't have uh <laughs> that's not gonna work yeah for but sure. if it's like a thing that we have to get done 
you know, I've done stuff on a 24 hour turnaround before where it's like, this is some really good stuff. Um, I'd rather not do that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting, I'm a little more medicated now. And so I, it's easier for me to, um, to prioritize things and get them done on time than it used to be. What's interesting too, as you said, uh, we were talking about your toy production and um, you said you got some, of, you're trying to get all of your worst ideas out as well because you want to go in line. Where does that come from? Like trying to get all of these ideas out no matter how bad or how good they are. Um, it just comes from looking at what other people get up to. When I lived in New York, I um, was in the Williamsburg neighborhood before it became what it is now. I mean, it mm -hmm. was on its way to becoming what it, what it is now. Yeah. And it was still like a nice, sorry, the cat's telling me about all about it. <laughs> um, it was still like a nice neighborhood by the time I was there, which is funny um, because it was nicer than Seattle at the time. Mm. Um, I mean, it's definitely nicer than Seattle now. Seattle's a complete dump now. Yeah. Um, which is sad. Hold on. I'll, I'll remember what we were talking about in a second here. Nope. I lost it. <laughs> this is, that's my favorite. Uh, it's the trying to get all the ideas out no matter how good or how bad they are. Oh, that's right. Yep. So I live next to a comic book store called desert Island. Okay. And uh, desert Island, great comic book store. It's in Brooklyn uh, in Williamsburg. Um, but I would see the kinds of comics that people put out and uh, it was all this like, uh, you know, there were a lot of good comics, of course, mm -hmm. but there was also a lot of shit where it was like some pretentious idea that somebody came up with and just said, I believe in myself enough to create this, this thing and put it out there in the world. Yeah. And I would read it and go, this is complete shit. And then it would be on some idiot's bestseller, like best, best of whatever list. And I'd be like, God, what is this crap? So my thought was, there's always an audience for whatever. Um, you know, no matter what you make, it's not going to be. It's better than not making anything. So if you've got to get some ideas out before you get to your good ideas, like sometimes you need to get kicked a little bit. You know, if you put out an idea and you go, yeah, this is a great idea, then people will, will go, that is some bullshit. Yeah. And I can handle that. I, I mean, I, at this point in my life, I can handle that. Um, I'm not as sensitive as I used to be. Um, but uh, it's good to have some constructive criticism and it's good to get some ideas out so that your next one will morph into what it should have been the first time. But it's like uh, it's like bands. Uh, if you're in a band, you do a demo, right? And you put your demo out there, and people can go, "Oh, this is pretty good," or "This band is shit." Um, but there's always some kind of uh, audience for it, no matter what it is. And I think that uh, it's putting out every one of your ideas, at least for me. And of course, I don't put out every idea because some of my ideas are just really bad. Um, like if I'm eat, doing edibles and I'll write, you know, write down some idea about, um, well, I don't want to tell you because I might end up using these later. But, <laughs> but I write down some ideas and then I look at them the next day and I go, oh, this is total shit. Um, yeah. 
so, uh, but I will try to put things out and hopefully that, you know, it, it, you get better the more stuff you put out. Mm-hmm. And that's just kind of how it is. Um, eventually you find your niche or your groove or whatever, hopefully. Um, so I, I just, why not put out some garbage? You know, there's plenty of garbage in the world. It's yeah. fine to add add more to it. Yeah. I mean, Sucklord has his boxes of garbage, so I think we're all in favor of that. Yeah. Well, Sucklord is his own beast, too. Yeah. He's interesting because he gets lumped in with all the bootleg toy people, and that's just because that was his medium. Mm-hmm. But he is definitely more of a fine arts type person. I just wish the fine arts world would have, would have embrace him more. Mm-hmm. Um for his own sake, uh, but you know his stuff is—he's interesting because when I first went to Decon, the first year I was involved, 2015, yeah. was supposed to be when he was retiring, and so we made a little figure of him retiring and taking some time off. We made a me time. Me and John, uh, me time was our series of the the super villains in their bathrobes, mm-hmm. getting ready to take some me time. And so we made one of Suck Lord, and he just said, and said, I'm retiring on the back. And then, of course, he's still here. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, we, he has a, a six part series that's dispersed throughout this, uh, like podcast or this year. And we're going into his second decade of his life. And when we get to that point where he, we talk about retirement, uh, he's brought it up before how he's just done making toys sometimes, but then here he is still making them. Well, I think he was trying to do something else and then it didn't pan out as much as he had hoped it would. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll see. It's yeah. not my place to worry about the future of Suck Lord. <laughs> so when you started making these and people started coming in and coming to you more and more, more with, toy things um what did that do did that change like your view because i remember you talking about how you walked into toy tokyo and didn't fully understand what was going on with art world or art toys and all that stuff did designing the toy backers like help click you into what was happening um yeah and going to decon and seeing the different artists and seeing the real if you want people to really appreciate how much you're charging for a bootleg toy, tell them to try making it themselves. Yep. Because that shit is so difficult. And I've been, I have, you know, I did oops all groins and I've done a couple of other toys uh, in the last year. But before that, it was about a year and a half of like just complete failure mm-hmm. of me trying to make toys over and over again. And just failing and failing and, you know, just screwing up and throwing money down the drain. And, you know, I have to wait until the next, you know, paycheck or next whatever and before I can try again. And uh, it's just, you'll be willing to pay all sorts of crazy prices for somebody else to make a toy once you try to make it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, that is probably my least favorite conversation to have with people when they talk about like, why is this so expensive? I just have decided to not engage with those people anymore. 
oh yeah i mean they obviously are not your audience because yeah. they're just going to complain about the price and you go ah, this is this reason and this reason and this reason and they go oh and then they walk away and you go well that was fucking pointless yeah like you just wasted my life luckily i worked in a um at a store in brooklyn where i was encouraged to be rude to the customers so I don't suffer fools gladly anymore uh, when it comes to stuff like that. When people have stupid questions that have been asked a million times, I usually have a pretty good response. I, I mean, feel I like we cannot brush over that. Tell me about that store in Brooklyn. Um, it's a, it was a secondhand store. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the best name for it. Uh, and because it wasn't a vintage store, okay. it wasn't a thrift store because it was everything costs a certain amount of money. Um, and uh, I mean, except for the toys. So it comes back to toys again. <laughs> so I was working counter uh, and I would also, you know, help. Uh, I would I would do the counter and help move around the crap because we get these truckloads of of junk in and then we'd have to set it all up and in the place and it was basically furniture moving and all that stuff uh but we would get toys in sometimes too and the boss would just take the toys and throw them all in this giant bin and it was a dollar a piece no matter what they were and i was going through them and she got all these he-man toys mm-hmm. he-man transformers all this 80s toys and i was like these should not go in the dollar bin and so I went through them and I started pricing them correctly for her. And she's like, okay, well, you're going to do the buying for the toys mm. now. And, uh, and I did the same thing with the records because she had records and she was like, eh, hey, well, throw them in the bins and then this and that. And I ended up buying a, like a, you know, several thousand dollar record collection for pennies on the dollar for her. And she was like, all right, you're in charge of the records from now on. So I was in charge of the records and I was in charge of the toys. Um, but it was a really miserable job because my boss was insane. Um, Mm. and so, and she was very, very paranoid. I think all the cocaine she did did not help, (laughs) but it was like a, it was a literally toxic environment Yeah. because like of all the mold and the dust and dirt, um, as well as the way that she ran the store, which was to like, make us feel like shit. And then we were supposed to be rude to the customers because if you weren't rude to the customers, she thought you were in cahoots with them and that you were planning on stealing shit. Okay. Because she had apparently had this happen in her life at some point or she had seen a movie about it. I don't know. But like where a customer would come in and then switch the tags or something like that. And so she'd keep an eye on you while you were ringing people up to make sure that if you were being nice to a customer, you weren't giving them a deal. So it was encouraged that you'd be rude to people. So it was, which was nice because uh, in Williamsburg at that time, there were a lot of dumbasses. And so, and a lot of people would come into town from all sorts of places and they would ask the same stupid questions and I could just be rude to them. It was wonderful. Yeah, that sounds kind of terrific to not have to put on a straight face and just be who you are. Yeah, it is. Well, I mean, I'm actually typically a very nice person so it was a little hard for me to get into the whole role of being an asshole to people but i eventually learned how to and uh i I think i've gotten better at it now yeah (laughs) you've improved your assholeness skills 
Well, and I've got kids now too, so I've got like the short answer for a stupid question. Not yeah. that my kids ask stupid questions, but all kids will say stupid shit sometimes. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, you've got to have a, a quick answer or a satisfying answer for some questions. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm not looking forward to fatherhood then. Um, so you have talked about, because you are a full-time artist, um, and I don't have very many full-time artists that come on in this podcast. We all kind of do this as a side thing. Um, I happen to do the podcast and toys as the side things. Um, but we all like are doing that kind of stuff. What is it like to be a full-time artist? Like what are the ins and outs and, and the joys or the problematic pieces of being a full-time artist? Well, I'm not a full-time artist. I okay. am a full-time homemaker. Okay. And part-time artist. Okay. I am the stay-at-home dad. Yeah. And so I do all the stuff. Uh, I don't do... The art is, is secondary, but it is nice to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. But right now, we are. I am very, very fortunate in that I live, you know, in a situation, my wife works and she makes a lot of money doing tech stuff and I don't have to work. Um, if I had to work, I don't know what the hell I would do mm-hmm. because I'm really unemployable. Oh, okay. So not that I'm, I just don't have, I, I have a huge gap in my resume and all my, you know, my legitimate jobs have all been shitty customer service jobs. Yeah. So. I would really rather not do that. Um, but doing the art stuff, it's fun because I can, because like I said, I can work for myself basically. Like if I don't feel like working with somebody, I won't. Mm-hmm. If I don't feel like, you know, if I am too busy with dealing with whatever the kids are doing, um, then I'm not going to take on a bunch of like extra art stuff. Uh, sometimes it all kind of comes crashing down at once where it's like, okay, the kids are sick and I have a deadline and I've got this other deadline and I've got this deadline. And as much as I would like to not do this art, I have a deadline, so I have to finish it. Yeah. But that rarely happens for me anymore because I've kind of like built this slacker lifestyle for myself. (laughs) It's very nice. Yeah. Um, thanks to my wonderful and loving wife, whom I appreciate more than anything else. <laughs> yeah. Or anyone else, anything else in the world. Um, but yeah, no, so it's, uh, I wouldn't call myself a full-time artist only because full-time artists, I think, have to pay taxes, and I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, that is... As a weird part, I just started doing that because if I put it, if I started just with like my own business stuff, it becomes like a tax shield for my own income. Yeah, I wondered about that, starting uh, getting a business license and whatnot. I've done a few things like I'm working on doing a record label, but that's not materializing because bands are difficult. Um, Yeah. Even though I've got a lot of interest in it, I've got no, I'm having communication issues 
with mm-hmm. the bands because there's just too damn many band members and uh in bands that's yeah just in general um but uh so i've been thinking about doing business license stuff but then it's like i don't know how to do my own taxes i don't really this is where a business degree would come in handy i think that's why uh duff mckagan ended up going back to school and getting like uh what did he get like a law degree or a business degree or something mm-hmm. uh whereas like and now suddenly he's like doing very well for himself i think he probably got sober too but i'm that's just a guess <laughs> yeah that's usually like the point where uh, some celebrities turns their life around and they're like, ah, they're sober now. Or uh, look, they're really fat now. They must have got sober. Um, yeah. And good for them. Yeah, I have a, I've set up for a couple people. Luckily at my job, I have a volunteer that like does tax stuff and he like runs a whole tax thing. And so I've been able to set it up with some toy makers just to talk to him and say, like, this is how you do this. This is how you get away from having to pay some stuff or how you can use this toy thing to kind of help you out a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I'm never going to be like uh, tax shelter rich. I don't think like I'm not yeah. going to be able to, you know, buy a mall or a car dealership or any of those other really good tax shelters um, or uh, what are the other ones? nfts yeah any kind of art yeah i don't need a yeah. money i don't need money laundering help right now but I, you know if i do there's always nfts i guess but there's uh you know bitcoin nfts all that horse shit is all just money laundering tax shelter etc cetera, etc cetera. it's nice uh to see people try to treat that stuff like it's real art and then be like it's not it's you know you're not going to be able to make a career out of bored monkeys i'm sorry yeah i you know that is interesting that you said that and i'm glad that you said that because you're a graphic designer and you do all these types of designs but don't like nfts can you describe for me your hatred for nfts i mean it's an it's a mlm it's if you strip it away from the visuals of it Uh uh-huh the it it's just a it's a pyramid scheme yeah uh same with bitcoin all these things are just a pyramid scheme i don't like scams i don't like scam artists i really don't like tech culture um mm. i don't like uh i mean nfts look like shit for one thing uh so they're offensive to me visually mm-hmm. uh <laughs> i don't fully understand nfts uh like why they look so boring most of the time, like if I'm going to buy a piece of digital art, better well, be some I, damn good art. I can tell you why. It's because, have you ever been to a hotel? Yep. Have you looked at the paintings on the wall? Motel art, yeah. Yep. It's all the same shit. It's all bland. It's not offensive. It's not interesting. It's not meant to be. It's just meant yeah. to appeal to as many human beings as possible. Mm-hmm. and just to be it's just a it's just for money laundering that's all it is it's a pyramid scheme for money laundering it's yeah. it's, it's like you took these two terrible things and you, that are that are working together to like ruin society and you mash them together and you've got nfts and you've got bitcoin you've got all this like tech bullshit that is just making the world a worse place 
Yeah. End I, of rant. Yeah. <laughs> I like, uh, I, you know, there's all these funny videos that, um, that describe NFTs. Now, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if you ever did MySpace, but MySpace was like, I grew up during the prime of it, which was cool. And um, I remember I like these weird moments where teenagers would say like, oh, I like that photo. That's my photo. And then that one teenager that they liked, they would put, oh, this is like this girl's photo. And it kind of describes NFTs to a T. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, visually, but if you take away that aspect of it, it's not even, it's not, it's not even that. I mean, it's just, it's just a load of bullshit. And I do miss MySpace, speaking of. I'm glad that it doesn't exist anymore because of all the, because I would probably be canceled. Yeah, plus angsty uh, shit from all of us, yeah. Yeah, the dumbest shit. Um, but I loved it because I was pretty good at the HTML stuff, you know, embedding a song in that you couldn't turn off. Uh, putting in like glittery shit that would drive people crazy. Loved it. Yeah, Loved to I, see yeah. it. Yeah, that stuff is so good. So we like we're coming towards the end of this fun chat and rant slash rant. Um, good at about, ranting. Yeah, we, I mean, before we uh, okay, before this is going to be a new segment. Before we do anything else or close out the podcast, do you have another piece of art? or uh, something that has to do with art that you absolutely have disdain for? Um, just the fine art world in general is pretty gross because it's, like I said before, it's just money laundering. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's just people coming up with these ideas that, something is worth a mount, an amount of capital. And I, okay, I've been to some art museums where it was, you know, to me, art is like, art is a thing you can, you can admire it. You don't have to hold it in your hands. Mm -hmm. It can be digital. Um, but if you want to own it, you can. Hold on. I'm not really sure what I'm saying right now. Um, <laughs> okay. I don't like bullshit art. Like white canvas, white paint, triangle, you know, like there are certain artists that can pull off this sort of thing mm -hmm. with like textural ideas. And then you make a piece of art that exists and it is real and it is impressive. Um, I have seen some fine art shows where it was like a pile of broken glass and you say, what the fuck is this? Mm -hmm. Am I supposed to purchase this and take it home and stick it in my living room? You know, like does, or is this just a pile of shit that is gonna live here until it's moved to the next place where it's also going to be a pile of shit. And then what? That artist's value goes up because they, what, broke some glass? I don't understand. Like, I just, I don't get it. It pisses me off. It frustrates me. Um, I, but at the same time, I got to 
respect the hustle. Mm -hmm. You got to respect the hustle of some fucking person who has the nerve to just break a bunch of glass and say, here's my art piece. Where's my money? Here's a piece of iron that I had somebody else. Oh, okay. Hold on. I'm going to change subjects here real fast. Okay. I'm into it. Here's the thing that kind of hits home for a lot of people. And here's what, um, so here's the, the real thing that pisses me off about art is that you can come up with a concept that mm-hmm. is a bad concept and you can send it to an, another person to flesh it out. And you can send that then to another person to create your bad concept. And then by the time it comes back to you, it's a decent concept or it's a decent idea, but you haven't touched it in like maybe years. And then you put your name on top of it and it's your piece of art. This is something I've seen a lot of with toy scene stuff. Part of the reason why I tried learning how to do all this shit myself, because it drives me fucking crazy to see some artists who just slap their names on some stuff and uh, it suddenly becomes, I'm not going to say it's peace right now, but I've mm-hmm. got an artist in particular I'm thinking of. But, you know, you'll send it, you, you go, okay, I have this idea for a figure. And then you send it to somebody else and they fabricate it for you. And then you send it to somebody else and they duplicate it for you. Somebody else does the card art for you. I mean, and then you put your name on it and nobody else's name. Oh, nobody gets any credit that. for that. Nobody gets any credit for any of that shit. Yeah. It's just that, or if you have apprentices or uh, one of those art house, you know, uh, one of those art studio things where basically you have everybody doing everything for you. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm not going to name names because I'm sure he's a nice guy, but I've seen it with a, some of the biggest names in, you know, art toys and art, lowbrow low art are just produced by a factory setting where it's like, which I get, you know, Andy Warhol, et cetera, et cetera. But like credit these people, you know, like yeah. give credit where it's due and not just some bullshit little like, you know, tag at the, at the end, you know, yeah. that's why I put my logo on everything. That's why you've seen my logo on everything. Cause I put my logo on all this shit and that's part of my, my terms is that I get to put my logo on everything. You know, like if I'm doing your card back my logo is on there because the card back is also a big part of what people are going to see. I understand that the toy making part of it, now I understand more than ever, the toy making part of it is more than half of the work. It is mm-hmm. a large, large portion of the work. But the car, if you're going to have me do the art, I'm putting my damn logo on there. So yeah. people know where to find me. They know who did the card back. Um, but it drives me up the fucking wall. And I've known some people who've done work for other companies where, you know, they're either fabricators or they're artists. And I've seen their work. It's great work. Why, you know, and it sucks that they can't get their own stuff out there without having somebody else's name attached to it. Hmm. See, I like that rant because that drives me fucking nuts. I don't like. When someone does something for me, like this is a, a good uh, 
maybe this is a good example. Like I have someone designing a comic book and he's like doing each panel slowly. We're walking through the entire comic book and I'm excited for it. His, that whole back of that comic book is just going to be about him. Like I fucking hate when people have other people design stuff and don't give credit or enough credit where it's due. Yeah. And it's a, it's a, a I mean, it's always been that way, but it's mm-hmm. also much worse now with corporate culture seeping into art culture where yeah. it's just like, and the combination of pop culture and art getting all mashed up where it's just this weird amalgam and you've got Disney owning everything. And I saw, what the hell was it that I saw today? It was some trailer for some new Marvel thing. And it was Marvel Studios uh marvel studios is moon knight or whatever mm, yeah yeah and i was but... i was like oh that's cool and so it's not the creator's moon knight it's not marvel's moon knight it's marvel studios a subsidiary of disney corporation presents moon knight it's which it belongs you know and moon knight belongs to marvel studios which is then a subsidiary of disney and you go okay cool guys oh one thing i'd like to promote real fast while i'm um ranting absolutely um illegal downloads i think they're great uh especially for corporate things like anything marvel disney related just download that shit don't pay money for it (laughs) there's a variety of places you can go to yeah is there be careful if you're big on it uh you know i just think it's a it's a good idea to not pay corporations for as much as you can possibly get away with yeah just in general. I mean, I'm all for it. You know, Disney is, uh, you know, I've, I've talked uh, bootleg history with a friend of mine, Yo-Yo Dine, and um, we've talked and uh, like did a deep dive on some shit. And Disney, like, they're shitty people. They come if after ever, people. If I ever get hired by Disney, though, I'm going to need you to scrub this. Absolutely. You sent me just a, kidding. A, a quick message. It's gone. Um, but they I'll just, never get hired by Disney. Don't worry. They're just shitty people and how they treat people and how now because Marvel falls under them, they're fighting lawsuits right now to try to have characters not go back to the original artists and how they can lobby like hell so that Mickey Mouse doesn't become public domain. And it's like they they just have so much power. And it's like this one. Okay because you're an independent artist and because you like are uh you work with so many different people this story may infuriate you are you ready i might have heard it already let's find out so uh disney decided that they wanted to do certain anniversary style statues for certain things that are coming up i don't know what the anniversary who the hell cares about whatever anniversaries are coming up um but they hired an artist uh, I thought that, that Disney had a team to design things, but instead they outsourced to a freelance artist that designed a tiki room statue. Or so they thought. What actually had happened was another artist did an artist rendering of something he found in a tiki room, and the freelance artist that was hired by Disney stole it and used it as his own. Well, this artist came back with a vengeance and like showed all the ways in which he had designed it. He had put his stuff in it. He had done everything correctly and it was under parody law. So it was still his, 
and instead of apologizing or anything, Disney just took it out of their shop. I'm surprised they didn't countersue. Yeah, I would think that they would at least mention it, right? I, my assumption would be that then they would take that. I mean, if usually what happens in that situation is they countersue for defamation of character or whatever, because mm-hmm. they go, well, how dare you accuse us of plagiarism? We're going to sue you. Yeah. for accusing us of plagiarism and you know well, you just committed plagiarism and they go well how dare you yeah and uh yeah i mean they can't fight city hall and disney's city hall when it comes to that sort of thing and that's part of the reason why i like bootlegging so much because it kind of you know it's a sticking it to the man kind of thing where it's like well fuck you you know like I'll yeah drunk. i'll do mickey mouse i did a shirt of mickey mouse fucking mickey mouse um <laughs> I don't remember what it was for, um, yeah. but I did it. It's, it exists out there someplace. Um, but that was pretty good. Um, I, I, you know, I, my kids love Disney movies. I watch all the Marvel shit illegally downloading it. Yep. Is always a good way to go. I'm not saying I do that. Of course I yeah. don't on yeah. the record officially. I don't illegally download it. <laughs> I don't do anything illegal and I never have. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm not I'm not saying it's a bad idea. Yeah. I the only thing I will say about downloading illegally with movies and stuff, sometimes your internet provider will cancel your service and it sucks. I've had that you get a lot you can get a lot of warnings, I've heard, uh theoretically, that uh you can get a lot of warnings before they all do that. Um, yeah. And then in the meantime, you can find another site to download from because Pirate Bay is probably not the best one. Oh, Pirate Bay, we love it. So as we are coming to the end of this podcast, the whole last portion is just about you as the artist to plug everything that you want to plug, how people can find you, where they find you, all that stuff. If you're in another podcast or anything, this is also this area to plug it. So please plug away everything that you want to share, where you are, how we find you, all that stuff. Okay, let's see here. I've got a little card where I've written down all the stuff. Yes. Uh, La- Last Boss Comics on Instagram, lastbosscomics.com. Online is my web store where you can get my zines, which is what I've been working on um, to kind of fill the void. I had a, a creative void. And so I made these zines of all the bands and I had a cassette tape label in high school. Um, and it's all of the ephemera and shit from that era. And so nice. I made these three, I have three issues of it. Uh, it's available on my web store. I also have my new comic. Uh, it's called Collector Scum Zero. And it's... Um, a copy of a zine and also an oversized comic thing that they go together and they tell it's like a series of stories that'll eventually make sense. Hopefully. I don't know. Um, That's on my web store. I am also on behind the bootleg, uh, a competing podcast to this one right here. So switch over. No, I'm just kidding. They're on YouTube. I don't think you're on YouTube, so you're okay. Um, but I'm on Behind the Bootleg on one of the episodes, and I can't remember which number it is now. Shit, I should have written that down. Uh, let's see. I am working on doing new toys. It'll happen eventually. I'm waiting for the 
we're in, I'm in the Northwest, so the monsoon season needs to get over before I can start pouring resin again because I fucked up so much resin with, with moisture. Um, I've got new mixes up on Mixcloud. I post those about those on my Instagram sometimes because uh, I used to DJ and I can't DJ anymore because um, the pandemic and I'm old and um, nobody cares anymore. So I just put stuff up on Mixcloud. Um, I've got, let's see. Oh, I've got a new piece coming out with Dane Buzzard Guts. Uh, Demarks Toys on Instagram uh, for the Manual Monsters show, which is on Friday, I think, at Opens Friday at Earth to Kentucky. And I sent them some original art too. If anybody's in that area wants to purchase it, they can, or if they want to ogle it and go, this looks like shit, they can. Um, that's going to be at Earth to Kentucky, and that's for the Manual Monsters Dungeons and Dragons Monster Manual themed show. I'm also got a part with uh, another piece with Dane coming out uh, that is a Captain Avenger figure from the movie Hero at Large, starring John Ritter, and that is coming out for the Clutter Gallery in action figures show, which I don't know when the hell that is, but I know that's part of that um i'm also doing let me see here what else look at my card uh, i'm working on the big rad wolf comic book full length comic book with a dollar slice bootlegs part of the slice city rebels series i believe um so we're doing a full length comic book size comic uh it actually is probably going to be longer than full length it's going to be pretty big um because we've got all these ideas and we're going to just Put them all in there because uh why the hell not yeah because we might not get to do another number two so we'll just put them all in there you don't even have to worry about it you can just get the one um so that'll be out sometime then let's see my toys the toys that i have done thus far princess venganza and lil precious and something else that i've forgotten are all at Push Pull Gallery in Seattle right now. And you can purchase them there. They also have art supplies. So if you don't wanna buy art, you can buy art supplies. Um, push Pull Gallery in Seattle, they're on Instagram. I believe it's Push Pull Seattle, something like that. Um, Let's see, I'm also working with John on some other stuff, but I can't really talk about it right now. I will be at DCON in November. I don't know if I'm going to be there at a booth or if I'm just gonna be wandering around, but if you see me, I'm probably gonna wear a name tag or something that has my Instagram handle on it because that's the only way anybody knows anybody else. Yep. Um, I am working on new toys, did I say that? Uh, um, a little bit, but. Yeah, I'm working on some new toys. Time. Yep. Got some new mixes on Mixcloud, working on new zines. And uh, yeah, the zines are something that I do when I'm not busy working on other people's stuff. And uh, I'm kind of busy working on other people's stuff. So I haven't, you can buy the ones that I already have and that will encourage me to make more. Sweet. Last Boss Comics. You came on Toys on Tap and rocked the house. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me.
New from Toys on Tap. Toys on Tap. The next episode. The next episode. It's great. It's amazing. You're going to want to listen to it. It's not right now, though. You're going to have to wait till the next episode to listen to it. Oh, when's that? The next one. Cool. Toys on Tap. Toys on Tap. The next one's going to be good, too. So stay tuned and, and, and listen to that. Toys on Tap. Awesome.